Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in episode one. Never thought I'd say those words again, George. Episode one of what is the name of our podcast? Another fantasy football podcast no one asked for. It is a mouthful, but that is the true title. And for those listening, a lot of you might be coming from Bases Loaded Podcast, which we appreciate the support. If you listen to us over there and you're checking us out, thank you very much. George and I coming over from Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast to another fantasy football podcast no one asked for. You can follow George on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. You can follow myself, Mike, at Mike underscore Curland. And it's fantasy football season. Episode one is coming in right before week three. <laughs> of course, late start. But you know what? We weren't even going to do this up until about a couple of weeks ago. And we found some time to finally record an episode. We're just going to jump right into it. Um, obviously, as we transition into football and baseball content, doing both. Next year, it'll be a little. Obviously, we'll get into it before the season. But we decided, why not now? Right, George? Welcome in. Buddy. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. It's been a while since we recorded together and yeah. with the uh, baseball season coming to an end and things winding down a bit. I mean, yeah, we really just wanted to start this thing. And because, I mean, hey, we, we like football, too. We're not, you know, we don't just like baseball. We like football, too. And if we want to just sit down and talk some fantasy football and, you know, maybe there's some crossover audience from some of you guys uh, listening from Bases Loaded that, uh, you know, enjoy us rambling, uh, then welcome and yeah i mean it was just getting started but i mean yeah i'm i'm excited to get this going and it's just all this is more of me and you talking same idea different sport and the name itself suggests the atmosphere another fantasy football podcast no one asked for because anybody who listens to football podcasts they're all very similar the content is very similar so what makes us different we're Mike and George. That's all I got. Um, <laughs> we are going to have fun. It's going to be a laid back, informative show once a week, maybe twice a week on occasion, but mostly once a week. And it's just going to be our us doing our thing. It's it's going to be, again, a little bit different vibe. Bases loaded's kind of gone that route. Like we used to be a little more professional, a little more like uptight. But now 
with a couple of years of experience of podcasting. We just want to have more fun, but enough of us rambling. I want to hit up on a few things real quick. Uh, new website I launched because I don't know how to stay still. SKPlaybook.com. It is just pretty much a place because I decided to start this usage chart, which you can find on SKPlaybook.com. It's just fantasy football stuff. It's breaking down usage per team, um, all 32 teams per week, red zone touches, um, air yards, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing groundbreaking, but the way I put it was a way for us to monitor trends weekly. And because I had that and because I have the lineup chart, which I'm going to still do for fantasy baseball and spring training, I decided I wanted a place to house them. Thus, skplaybook.com started. George and I took that and said, you know what? Because George is busy with his NBC stuff because, you know, he's a company man and all. He decided to help me out, though. We're going to we went ahead and launched our own community. We tried this before, but this time we're really giving it a go. It's a Discord community, which, again, you can find that community on skplaybook.com. All the information is there. It's a Discord community that we and George started. We have Deegs helping us out, uh, Ryan as well. Um, Just building that up as well. So it's a lot going on there. You can chat fantasy football, fantasy baseball, um, pretty much just get a hold of us 24-7 outside of Twitter. And what we do is, you know, we help with lineup decisions. We help with uh, trades add drops, et cetera, et cetera. And this goes for now that we're in football season, we're, we're talking football, but just because baseball season is starting doesn't mean you won't get baseball content or baseball off season is starting. Baseball content will start as well. We're going to get right into early rankings, helping with early drafts. Cause I draft as early as November. So you'll get a, you'll probably, you'll get an inside look at my whole process when it comes to my ranks and player analysis. So that's just some of the inside stuff. Again, it's all starting. It's all at skplaybook.com. I had to do that plug before we got started. Week three is among us. And before we get into week three, we're going to dr- talk about some of our bigger standouts from the weekend, talk about some of our favorite waiver wire targets, players that we're most concerned about, and early breakouts that we might be buying in, or is it fool's gold? So let's start with the biggest standouts of this weekend, week two. Where are where was your where were your eyes at? What did you notice? Yeah. Um, so one of my uh, standouts, Cortland Sutton there in Denver, nine catches, 159 yards on 12 targets. I mean, you know, with Jerry Judy out, we kind of figured that uh, Sutton would play a bigger role, and he was the man, you know, nine nine catches, 159 yards. Um, really, you know, Bridgewater kind of spread it around to everyone else after that, but – and even, you know, just to touch on Bridgewater a bit, he's got Denver to 2-0 and right now, playing well. Um, and, yeah, Sutton, Sutton balled out. I think that we're going to see this – basically for the next four or five, six weeks, however long Jerry Judy's going to be out. But this might present like a sell high opportunity. If Sutton continues this kind of usage over the next few weeks, you know, Jerry Judy's going to come back. And we saw Bridgewater go to Judy often before he got hurt. Um, I mean, so, you know, I, I do think that these next few weeks, Sutton goes off, it might be, present like a uh, sell high opportunity there. Yeah, and Judy, I mean, the thing is, though, is we don't know how he'll return. If he returns, how is how is Judy going to recover? And I'm not going to lie, I was trying to pull up this game log real quick because I wanted to see – I got to look – I'm looking up on the fly here. I wanted to see how Sutton was used, if he was used in the, uh, in the slot a bit more and all that because stuff like that, maybe that's what happened because Judy was being utilized as a slot and Patrick and um, Hamlin – were kind of like the main slot guys in week one after Judy left. So looking at week two, let's see who dominated the slot. Cortland Sutton didn't play a lot of slot. Cortland Sutton is his name. 
<laughs> I mixed up Sutton and Slot, and Slutton came out. Corton Sutton uh, played the slot 15.6% of the time. Tim Patrick still kind of dominated the slot at 27.3% of the time of his of his routes. However, KJ Hamler still was the slot guy 65.5% of the time on his routes. So I thought Hamler was going to be the guy, kind of a sneaky grab off the waiver wire, but it was all Sutton all the time. And you're right. That, that is interesting. I think you should ride it out a little longer, but I'm all about selling high when, um, when you can. But what caught my attention this week in a negative way, I don't know how to feel about the uh, New Orleans Saints offense. We saw really good and really bad. And then we, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's Green Bay's defense is not as good because we saw Detroit get off to a hot start, but then the, uh, the defense settled down. Detroit's offense showed us to be Detroit's offense of old. So I'm not really sure how I feel about this offense. I think Marcus Callaway at this point, even though he's getting like the most snaps of any receiver for two straight weeks, the targets aren't there. He's a drop of mine at this point. Um, I'm a little concerned about Kamara. Not that I would actually go try to buy low because the offense looks bad, but Kamara is the one constant in terms of playing time, in terms of uh, potential, and in terms of touches. So Kamara might be a good buy low target. I think he's going to be fine, but... Man, this offense concerns me, and I just don't know how I feel. I don't want to touch any part of it and, except for um, Kamara. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, pretty much still trust you know, Kamara. I think I'm not really worried about him uh, at all yet. But uh, as far as the other pass catchers there, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Adam Troutman led, led them in targets uh, first week. I don't think he even had a catch this last week. I don't think he even had a target. Hold on, I'll look it up right now. Handy right. dandy, usage chart, cheap plug. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I mean, not that I can't get that information elsewhere fast, but Troutman didn't even have a target this week. Juwan Johnson led in targets while being second in snap, uh, snap count to Troutman. It was an ugly week. It really was. Marquez Callaway led the Saints receivers in both snaps and targets, but only came down with two receptions for eight yards. Uh, just an ugly week, again, for the Saints. And this was against the Panthers. Maybe the Panthers' defense is better than we give them credit for. They showed to get better later in the season last year. But I don't know. I mean, Thursday night they have another good matchup back up QB with Houston. So if you're looking to stream a defense, the Panthers are a really good streaming defense. That's for sure. And, oh, yeah, this is before wave wire talk. So Panthers' defense. Cheating, getting ahead of myself, wasn't even trying to answer it. But yes, the Saints offense does concern me. I'm not sure how I feel. Um, what's the next thing that caught your attention this weekend? Yeah, Cooper Cup, man. Cooper Cup right now is looking Dude. like the wide receiver Dude. one. Jeez. I thought it was going to be yeah. Woods. I thought it was going to be Woods. I'm not going to lie. I think everybody. I did too. I think the consensus was Woods first, Cup second. Yeah, I mean, 11 targets, nine catches, 163 yards, two touchdowns, back-to-back games with double-digit targets and at least 100 yards and a touchdown, man. He's going off. We're, you know, hearing about this chemistry between him and Matthew Stafford. I mean, They eat yeah, breakfast looks, together, man. They do. Yeah, they eat breakfast together. I want to have breakfast with <laughs> Matthew Stafford. <laughs> but yeah, maybe we should a, have breakfast together, Mike. Maybe we'd have a better rapport and record more often if we did that, but we do not. And you're a West Coast and I'm East Coast guy. Your breakfast is my lunch. That's right. That's right. So, but, uh, I mean, unfortunately, it wouldn't work out there. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, man, he's been amazing. Uh, looking like the wide receiver one there in, in, you know, with the Rams, maybe the wide receiver one in football. He's, I mean, as long as he's keeping this up, I mean, he's he's on pace for that. Now, if, you, if someone came to you with Calvin Ridley for Cooper Cup, do you keep Cooper Cup or take Calvin Ridley in PPR? At this point? I mean, just considering the way the both offenses have looked so far, 
the way the quarterbacks have looked, um, that would be a tough, that would be a tough trade there. And I think, I think I would just keep Cooper cup. So do you think based on Ridley's name alone, you could take Ridley and get cup and something right now, just based on his name alone, or you think people are going to be so bought in on cup that it's going to have to be one, for, which let's be honest, a swap like that is really, you know, that's linear kind of people don't like usually trading receivers for receivers, but you get my point. I'm trying to, I'm giving you a big name that is struggling compared to a big name that, um, or that a guy that is kind of, kind of moving into that tier of like, maybe he should have been considered in the top five or six. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion. I got a couple things I want to talk about here. I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. I'm going to go with what really has caught my eye. And I'm going to ask you a buy or sell on this. Buy or sell? Gronk is a top five tight end rest of the season. Oh, man. So, you know, that actually kind of plays into my third observation, <laughs> and that's on Tom Brady. There you go. Um, yeah, five touchdowns uh, this week, nine total touchdowns on the season. Gronk has obviously been a big part of that. I'm not buying that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sell that uh, on Gronk. I mean, they've played Dallas and Atlanta, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, those two teams are going to make, you know, all these quarterbacks look fantastic. And of course, I mean, Tom Brady, he's, he's obviously the GOAT. And of course, he's going to put up nine touchdowns on these two teams, but the efficiency has been crazy good. I'm not buying this pace uh, for this offense right now. Like, you know, obviously they're capable of it, but I think they've definitely, you know, just considering who they've played, I'm not so sure you know, that they, that they keep it up. So maybe both of these guys are a sell high right now. I mean, Tom Brady's like a top five player in fantasy right now. If you could trade him down to uh, like a Jalen Hurts and something, I would totally go ahead and try uh, something like that. I'm scared of Hurts. We could talk about that in a second, but Hurts concerns me. But uh, maybe I'm thinking like a Herbert and something because Herbert has played up. If you've I watched actually a while, one team I watched a lot of because I lo- really wanted to see how Herbert was going to do um, is the Chargers. And Herbert has played better than the stats indicate in terms of yeah, like he's had like there's been dropped and uh, there's been dropped passes in the end zone. There's been a couple bad throws and like unfortunately he threw a pick in the end zone last game, like stuff like that. Which I mean that's his fault, but there's been stuff that's not out of his control. My point is is there's better days ahead. You could probably buy low, get a Herbert plus for oh, Brady yeah. and something like that. I would do because you're right. You could bank these two weeks, but honestly, this offense, if there was ever going to be an offense that Brady could break more records, it would be this one. Um, yeah, I, think- I mean, you know, Gronk had four catches, two touchdowns last week. I mean, that's that's not going to – he's not going to sustain that. You know, four touchdowns so far. Yeah, I think, you know, that was a perfect kind of buy, buy low, sell high there with Brady and Herbert. I mean, Herbert's thrown for over 300 yards back-to-back weeks, and he has one touchdown each week to show for it. That's not going to keep up. Brady's, you know, pace, you know, his four touchdowns and five touchdowns, that's not going to keep up. If, so if, I would absolutely make that. Would you be willing to see – this is why I'm asking top five. Because you have guys like Mark Andrews that have kind of gotten off to a slow start. Would you, you would still take Mark Andrews over Gronk? I would still take Mark Andrews. Okay, so that gives us Mark Andrews, Waller, uh, Kelsey, Kittle, I'm assuming you'd still take over Gronk? Yeah, I would still Kittle. And then I guess Hawkinson. So fine. I will take five over Gronk. But – Gronk is my number six then, because I think I'd rather exactly. have, have Gronk over Pitts at this point. Again, because of the offense, Pitts is on. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think Pitts gets better as the season goes on. I, I think I would still lean towards Pitts, but I, right after that, it's like, you know, like Noah Fant. Higby, uh, I think I'd rather um... Fant, Higby, all these guys, you know, right after that, it's just like a bunch of guys that you could just interchange. So 
yeah, I mean, I think Gronk's are right there after that. Yeah, after that tier. And what's going good for Gronk right now? And again, the the, the offense he's on. Gronk is tied for second in red zone targets. Has he's tied for second on this on his team on the Buccaneers? Gronk is tied for second in red zone targets. Tied for second in end zone targets. So obviously Brady is looking his way early and often when he gets the red zone, which. When you look at tight end that you're streaming, that's what you want in a tight end. Like if Gronk is going to catch four balls a game, but one of them could be a touchdown, that's a perfect, like you're starting him, saying him, forget him, which is nice because he was free in drafts this year in terms of like tight ends. I know yeah. we spent more time than I wanted to on the Buccaneers, but you already mentioned Brady. I guess I should go with one more. I don't know. There's a lot here. I just want to kind of, for, for time purposes, keep it to one more. Um, what do I pick? I don't really know what to pick here. The Steelers really catch my attention with how bad they are. I don't know if I want to talk about them, though, because that's kind of annoying. Dolphins, like, how many injuries there were this weekend was a bad one. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts. I think this is going to not make people happy, but I think Jalen Hurts was overrated coming into the season, and I understand the rush yards will, the rushing floor will always be there for him because even this week where he only had 12 completions on 23 attempts, 190 yards, no touchdowns, he still had 10 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown. So right there, the floor is going to be there, but I'm afraid that, like, Week one was a was a little bit of a fluke because he got a chance to play the Falcons. And week two, sure, he had the rushing yards, but I just I don't like banking on that. Like that scares me. I don't know. I think it's a little it's a little bit volatile of a of a player. Maybe I'm maybe I need to stop. Maybe I just need to focus on the rushing floor. Think of it like a Lamar Jackson type of deal. But I don't know. He scares me. I'm not as confident. Should I be more confident in Jalen Hurts than I am? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, these rushing quarterbacks, for me, it's it's all about that floor when you're talking about these running quarterbacks, just because you know he's going to get, you know, 60, 70 yards on the ground. You're banking that right there, you know, and one or two touchdowns through the air. And, you know, you got a pretty safe, safe, uh, you know, QB1, even, you know, bottom tier QB1 right there. Um, I don't know, man. I just I get so scared. I get so <laughs> scared about these guys. Um, I, I just do like, I don't know why, like I, on a bad week, he put up 21 points. He's getting, he's going into Dallas this week, has Casey at home the next week. And then it gets a little tougher with Carolina, but I think teams might, you know, start pressing him, making him force the forcing him to throw because yeah, the Falcons, the Falcons were the Falcons and he torched them. But if the if teams figure, I think teams can figure him out. I don't know. He's getting to that point where I think I want to try to sell personally. But again, I'm a little biased. I was always a little lower on Hertz, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm just, I want to see it more first. And that's why I don't have any this year, which is fine. Again, you have to be willing to miss on a guy, and Hertz was a guy I was willing to miss on. So far, I'm wrong. I'm not going to lie and act like I'm right. But something about him scares me. And I think part of it also plays into the fact that I don't like that offense around him so much either. I mean, the- I'm kind of the opposite, man. I, I like that offense. I like Devontae Smith. I As like he's the only you know, one. <laughs> I mean, you know, Quez Watkins, we saw him break it, uh, break a big uh, catch and run right there. He's got tons of speed. Uh, you know, he's got the two tight ends. The running sometimes. game is a decent running game. I mean, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes yeah. Sometimes. Um, and sometimes a decent running game. Gainwell could be, uh, could keep Sanders' floor a little lower than we'd like. Sanders' week one yeah. looked really good. Sanders is still looking good week two as well, all the, considering where you got him in drafts. But I think I think Gainwell, if he's not already rostered, should be because not only is he the handcuff, but I think he has weeks where he could be uh, salvageable RB2, especially with the way injuries are happening and players are flopping. But speaking of 
players flopping. And honestly, the more I talk about Jalen Hurts, the more I'm buying in a little bit. Not that I'm out on him. I'm just scared. I think I'm just playing scared and you can't play scared. But I digress. Um, waiver wire. Let's jump right in. Who's your favorite quarterback this week? Assume, like Again, maybe give me a couple names. Guys that might be available because I, I'm not sure. I never know what leagues people pay in. I assume one quarterback leagues are the norm. So I'm kind of giving names that are one quarter that are available in most one quarterback league. Yeah. So um, my first guy, probably my favorite streamer this week, uh, Daniel Jones, only rostered in 20% of leagues in uh, Yahoo. Uh, he gets Atlanta. And we kind of already seen, um, you know, the way quarterbacks produce against Atlanta this year so far. Uh, Daniel Jones is another guy who, you know, can run for 50, 60 yards. He's kind of more like he's not, he doesn't run enough like where teams are going to be like, you know, scared of his running ability, but he could just like take off and, you know, pick up those 30, 40 yards. Uh, So, I mean, on that, on top of, you know, all the production that Atlanta is allowing against quarterbacks, uh, I I really like Daniel Jones as a streamer this week. He's probably going to be like a a low end QB one for me. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about Daniel Jones? He's up there. He's actually my favorite as well in terms of what, who's readily available for the most part. Daniel Jones is the 19th, is tied for the 19th most rushing yards in the league right now. <laughs> just to give you an idea. I just looked that up on the fly. And yeah, you mentioned 22 yards. Yeah. You, yeah. You mentioned Jalen Hurts having that rushing floor. I think Daniel Jones does as well. And he's in a very, very, very good matchup this week against Atlanta. And he gets to be at home and he had more time to prep coming off the Thursday night game. Something tells me we're about to be really upset by this, but another guy I am in on, and I feel like this is going to burn me as well because I've been burned in the past, but give me fire up Derek Carr, man. Carr's coming off back-to-back weeks of at least 380 yards. He's already put up doing quick maths around here, a little over 800 yards on the season passing with four touchdowns, and that defense is doing him no favors. It's And there's you know bigger parts players continue to get hurt. I know he's dealing with his own little whatever because he, he left the game for a little bit. But we're talking about a guy coming off back-to-back 28-point outings. What scares me, though, Miami's defense, people want to like look at cars first. Like, yeah, he tore up Pittsburgh. He tore up Baltimore. But even with Miami's offense being non-existent and the Bills putting up 35 points, Josh Allen didn't have a good outing. It wasn't like Josh Allen completely torched. The, uh, the Dolphins, it was the, the running game that beat them. Josh Allen had 40 pass attempts, only completing 24 of them for 169 yards and no passing touchdowns. That's Josh Allen. And that's with his rushing, you know, with uh, he had eight rushing yards on four attempts. The, the Dolphins defense, regardless of quarterback, is still going to be somebody to reckon with. So although he's one of my favorites, it's more of like a looking past Miami's matchup. But Carr's a guy I like, but Daniel Jones is by far my favorite. And somebody else we should consider, I'm going to throw the name out there real quick, is uh, Kirk Cousins, another guy that, again, mm-hmm. pushing close to almost uh, almost 600 yards passing, five touchdowns, and another defense that just hasn't been there for him. And because the defense isn't there and we're seeing the production come and he's able to do it with, uh, you know, he's lost um, Irv, Irv Smith. We were wondering where the targets would go. And it kind of leads me to my next guy, K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne's probably my favorite wide receiver target this week. Coming off back-to-back solid outings, uh, nine targets for seven receptions week one with for 76 yards. Second, uh, this this week, five receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. He's been just a solid, safe guy. He's a good fallback option at wide receiver, consistently getting the third, the third most snaps from receivers, K.J. Osborne is. And Osborne's a guy that 
if there is an injury to Thielen or Jefferson, would step right in and be that guy. And he gets to – and, again, it's just a team that keeps falling behind. They're going into Seattle. Seattle could push for a, short, a shootout. So I actually like Cousins more than Carr this week because of matchup. But and Osborne is just somebody that I'm re- like in three wide in three receiver leagues. I think Osborne can be a wide receiver three this week. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Miami secondary, number one graded in coverage per uh, PFF so far. There you go. And I mean, yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I, if Tua doesn't play, you're looking at like Jacoby Brissett playing uh, starting for Miami. It could we could be looking like at That's a lower good, right? <laughs> a lower scoring game. If Oakland takes a lead, it could be like a lot of groundwork. But um, Peyton yeah, Barber, I, baby, I, Peyton Barber. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I'm with so you though. Ugly. I'd uh, I definitely I think I would start Cousins this week uh, over Carr. So I do like that call. Um, I'll give you a running back PPR. I mean James White. You just you just know that he's gonna get. You know, both back-to-back games, six catches, 40 yards. You could take that to the bank with James White. He's rostered in 43% of leagues. So in shallower leagues, if he's out there, especially in PPR, you know what you're going to get there. You're going to get like a 10-point floor week in and week out there with James White. Um, I, do, I do love James White. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Kenneth Gainwell earlier, 36% rostered in Yahoo leagues. They go to Dallas this week. Uh, he kind of has been, it's been kind of a, he's been getting like maybe like a 33 to 66% workload with uh, between him and, and Miles Sanders. But yeah, I mean, Dallas might, you know, uh, we, we just saw Austin Eckler do his thing against Dallas. We could see, you know, between Gainwell and, and Sanders, them both getting those opportunities against Dallas. Uh, and, and what do you make of JD McKissick, man? 29% rostered, just had a big game. That whole McKissick and uh, Antonio Gibson, McKissick getting the third down work. He had five catches, 83 yards this last week. One rushing touchdown. McKissick. Um, <laughs> I think he's a guy that you're kind of like, you're going to hold on to for sure. And you got to gotta roster him. But when are you ever going to feel comfortable starting him? He's a flex option at best, obviously, in um, PPR. And I think he yeah. had the second most receiving yards among running backs last year. Only the Camara, I believe, is the stat. So we know the receiving upside there. He had the second most receptions and yards, I believe, to Kamara last year, actually. So yeah, um, I, I do like him this week in PPR, like as a flex against Buffalo. You're looking at probably, you know, a higher scoring game, Buffalo putting up some points. Uh, and that means more passing down work, right? That should. But going back to James White, a fun stat. So there were three running backs in week two with at least 20% of their team's target share and 20% of their team's rushing attempts. Again, a fun stat. First two names, Austin Eckler, fantastic. You want that name. Cool, this is great company. Alvin Kamara is a second one. Not a great week, but the usage was there. The only other person to have 20% of their target share and 20% of their teams rushing, I obviously teased it, it's James White. So James White is in that elite conversation of Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler, at least in week two. So hopefully that usage sustains. And given this kind of, like the Pats offense is kind of, check downy short game mac jones is more of a game manager than he is a you know than he is like a gunslinger i think james white just is the he somehow is available or if you can even go buy i think i'd be willing to buy because i'm viewing him as a fringe rb2 and ppr weekly at this point. and yeah i'll say sorry i wasn't sure if you had anything to add but we've already talked about him and one guy i guess we have to and it kind of grosses me out but i think we saw the beginning of what could be Michael Carter. Michael Carter is someone we have to really watch out for. Not that he's great or fantastic, but you know, he was he he was a second in rush attempts this week. He had three targets, the only running back with a target. Some PPR leagues, you like that. He had two receptions for 29 yards. 
Again, he's he him and Ty Johnson both had 11 and 12 rush attempts. I think Carter could slowly get more and more work. And if that's the case, he'll become the guy in New York. He is a fallback option if all these other names aren't there. He's kind of that like fourth option, like, okay, I guess I'll take Michael Carter because at least it's a running back, right? <laughs> like at least like right now, running backs are so thin with between injury and underperformance. Like, he's he deserves a spot on your bench, is what I'm getting at. And I already mentioned KJ Osborne as I shouldn't say he's my favorite. There's one guy I like more, but Osborne's the guy I really like. He's my second favorite, but another guy I really like, and I'm I'm sure he probably made your list as well because we don't know each other's list. But Rondell Moore, I think he's everyone's favorite this week. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I think Rondell Moore. <laughs> so there's two ways to look at this, right? I got a stat on him too. Um, there's two ways to look at Rondell Moore. As soon as I as soon as I find the stat, here it is. So we saw Rondell Moore have a big week, right? Week two, he came out, did his thing. His usage from week one to week two went up 16.9 points. He went from 28.99, so about 29% of snap rate, to 40, about 46% of snap rate. So we saw a bit, basically a 17-point jump in his snap rate. But that was still 45.9%. So which way are you looking at this? Oh, look, there was an increase. Or, oh, look, even with an increase, it's still under 50%. So because he was under that 50% threshold, which is, again, he's like the fourth or fifth. I think he was like the fourth in terms of target share on that team for the week. He feels very boomer bust for me. Yeah, he plays out of the slot a lot, but so does Kirk. Um, I think it's a boomer bust type of play for him on a weekly basis. But are you more encouraged by the trend upward for the first two weeks in terms of snap rate? Or are, are you thinking the same thing I am? Or I'm like a little more pessimistic. Like he deserves, he deserves to be rostered, but he's far from safe is what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm picking up Rondell Moore for sure. Yes, anywhere of course. That, that he's available. I mean, we kind of seen it in the preseason where, you know, they manufactured the touches for more They made sure to get the ball in his hands. And I mean, right now through two weeks, he leads the team in targets with 13. Um, we saw him have a big game and he doesn't need a whole lot of touches to do, you know, to have big numbers. I mean, he, he's tied for the league lead in yards after catch. So, you know, this guy doesn't need all the snaps. He doesn't need all the targets uh, to make something of it, to come out of it with a good, good game for, for fantasy. So, I mean, yeah, I'm actually, I'm buying it. I'm buying it and I'm encouraged with Rondell Moore. I'm buying this little, this little breakout here, this little rookie breakout from Rondell Moore. And I mean, and he's in one of the most high-powered, pass-heavy. You know, they play. You know, a lot of three, four receiver sets. They're gonna get more. They're gonna manufacture the touches for more. And you know, we've seen what he could do with them. Yeah, and another guy I want to mention, Casey's available in leagues. Darnell Mooney of the Bears. He leads the team. Darnell Mooney. This is a team with Allen Robinson. He leads the team in snap rate, air yards, air yard rate, receiving yards, receptions. He's tied for first. Mooney is with 15 targets and 15 and two, sorry, and two end zone targets. And he's second in overall red zone targets. So tied for first in end zone targets tied uh, t- uh, in second with red zone targets. So again, the usage is there up and down between leading the team in a bunch of stuff or being tied for first or being second. Obviously Mooney is a guy to watch out for. Robinson is still there, but something tells me that Robinson could probably draw a lot of the coverage, leaving Mooney being the guy. And it's not a sexy amount of yards or anything right now or receptions, but just somebody worth monitoring and adding if he's available because, the again, the usage is there, the intent to give him the ball is there. And I think oh, Mooney yeah. could be a guy that could be as valuable, if not more valuable, than a, uh, than a Rondo Moore. Not that he will be. I think Rondo Moore has a higher ceiling, but I think Mooney's floor might be a little higher right now. Absolutely. And then when you – Consider the fact that, you know, Justin Fields 
should be hopefully the starting quarterback quarterback full time at some point this season, then you definitely like the outlook for the receivers there a little more than uh, with Andy Dolan under center. Assuming but, that week uh, one, assuming week one, or, or sorry, week two, assuming week two wasn't an indication of things to come because he did not look good in his limited debut but yeah <laughs> hopefully a week with the first team and getting some of those reps and that comfort and that confidence maybe that'll do him some good yeah um another guy um quintus cephas there in detroit he's only two percent rostered but i mean he's looking like the most like you know consistent go-to receiver there back-to-back games with a touchdown and at least six targets we know that the passing game is going to go through hawkinson i mean hawkinson's a beast he's looking like a he's looking like he's going to finish like a top three tight end right now. Um, yeah. You know, behind Kelsey and, and, uh, and Waller uh, at this pace, but you, you kind of know that the passing game is going to go through Hawkinson, but uh, Cephas there, you know, if you're kind of desperate at, at receiver, only 2% rostered uh, again, back-to-back games with the touchdown and at least six targets, he's looking like the best receiver there. And then um, Marcus Valdez Scantling, he was kind of a popular waiver wire uh, ad after, you know, seeing like eight or nine targets week one, uh, again, week two. Uh, it's funny because I'm I'm reading the uh, the Yahoo blurb here on Marcus Valdez Scantling, and the first line is MVS could have had a huge night, and that's kind of the story of his career so far. <laughs> MVS could have had a huge night. Uh, yeah, 15% rostered, but um, yeah, just missed a touchdown, got overthrown there. Uh, but yeah, he's another one that can maybe look at that's uh, low rostered. Moving over to tight ends, there's really not a whole <laughs> lot, man. There's really not. One guy that I'm looking at, 32% rostered, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Evan Ingram, just because why not? you see the <laughs> – why not? I mean, you know, the Giants are playing Atlanta. They're playing the Falcons this week. Daniel Jones was is going to be like our, you know, streamer, streaming quarterback of the week. Get one of his pass catchers in there. Ingram has missed the first two games, but should should be good to go for week three. So if Evan Ingram's out there, you really need a, a tight end to stream. I would pick, go ahead and pick him up. You know that Daniel Jones is going to put up some numbers against uh, the Falcons, so might as well get one of his pass catches. Uh, I don't even want to talk about, like, <laughs> tight end. Um, <laughs> Jack Doyle is interesting. He's coming off a decent game, you know, five receptions on eight targets or 64 yards, but I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, and that's kind of the issue. And then you have, you know, Austin Hooper, Five targets, uh, five receptions for nine, for uh, 40 yards. So there's kind of a floor there, but that was against Houston. Um, that he has Njoku and whatnot to deal with there. Um, yeah, it's kind of it. I mean, I think it's – yeah, I think that's <laughs> – I'm so – tight end is a mess. Uh, Doyle, I guess, would be one of my favorites. And maybe maybe take a shot on Max Williams. He did just come off a seven reception, seven target game for 94 yards. Goes up against Jacksonville. The only issue being is how much of Max Williams are they really going to need in Arizona when you have all those receivers against Jacksonville? <laughs> so that's why it's like a, um, I guess we're taking a shot. Blake Jarwin's last name I'll drop just because he did see, although the usage isn't above Schultz's at this point, we saw him out produce Schultz in week two. I don't think that's going to be a regular occurrence though. So Jarwin's kind of like a Hail Mary, like, and if you want a piece of an offense that could be throwing any given week, Jarwin's on that team. And then we are a year removed where Jarwin was the guy. It was like last year he was coming in as the guy in Dallas and then got injured and Schultz took over. I think Jarwin still has that same playmaker ability that we were drafting him for last year. Problem is, is Schultz also showed he's more than capable of being that tight end. So 
tight ends ugly. Evan Ingram might just be the best bet off the waiver wire. As sad and gross as that sounds. And this is why tight end early might make sense rest of the time. Uh, DSTs real quick. I mentioned the Panthers. And also, if somehow, like maybe, the, I know Baltimore was dropped last week because they were matched up against the, um, the Chiefs. I picked them up a week early because I dropped them and they, they were available on waiver wire. I picked them up in stashing because they get Detroit this week. So that's another one where it's like, um, maybe you just if they're available, they might actually be available. You might be surprised. Any defenses come to mind for you? Um, yeah, this uh, defenses are always tough, but I mean, I'm you know, if <laughs> if Tua is not in there and it's Jacoby Brissett, I mean, you're maybe possibly the Raiders at home against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Panthers make the most sense. They're coming yeah. off two strong outings. 11 points and 14 points. This is ESPN scoring. They get to go into Houston. Yeah, it's a short week, but their quarterback is nobody. <laughs> Mills, I think it is, right? Like, I have to look up his name. Yeah, Davis Mills, who I'm pretty sure has thrown an interception in every game preseason. <laughs> he's like, the fun yeah. stat. Right, yeah. I mean, every time he's out there, he's throwing picks. So, I mean, yeah. Carolina's going to be a good one to stream this week. Or the Titans against Indianapolis if Wentz can't go, even though the Titans haven't looked great. I mean, they've looked really bad. You still got to think maybe they're worth streaming against a backup quarterback. But that would be a fallback type of thing. I think, obviously, Panthers, Raiders, and Baltimore. Like I said, Baltimore is probably more available than most people realize because they were probably dropped because people were facing the Chiefs, or they were facing the Chiefs. So I really think that they'd be more available than most people might think. Uh, moving over to players you might be most concerned about. I'm going to make, I mean, let's say everyone's talking about this. I feel the need to discuss it as well, but Zeke, man, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm concerned about him not losing the job. I think Zeke holds the job. I'm concerned about him being the RB one top five consensus pick. He was pretty much going as top six ish. And it's because of Pollard's usage. Pollard himself isn't being used in terms of snap count. His snap count did go up 10 points this week, and Zeke's did drop close to about 12%. Uh, percent. However, it's the usage itself. Like, you have Pollard getting three less rush attempts while playing for almost 40% less uh, less snaps. You have Pollard yeah. out. You have Pollard getting more targets and receptions than him two straight weeks, again, while playing less than half the amount of snaps Zeke is playing. So what happens, what I'm getting at is that when Pollard is in the game, they're you they're making a point to utilize him and get him involved. Whereas when Zeke's in the game, he's doing everything. He's pass blocking well. He's not he's not being as heavily utilized because he's doing other things. But Pollard is brought in to literally be utilized. That is his thing. Um, I think Zeke is still fine, but I just think you gotta real be real with yourself. And maybe Zeke's more of a third round running back type of thing. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, when Pollard is on the field, he's getting that usage when he's there, and he's he looks been better. Back back to back weeks, he's been more efficient with it. Um, you he know, just so, looks I mean, better. He he's explosive, man. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been yeah. watching. I've been trying to watch a lot of Pollard, and it's um, it's because I go back to last year. I was really in on Pollard, so maybe there's bias here. But I think it was Matt Williams actually uh, that dropped the tweet about something about which running back is going to be the starter or should be. And I'm like. Listen, my heart says Pollard, but my head says Zeke, so I voted Zeke. But man, it's like I think Zeke's obviously the usage. Zeke is still getting more snaps. He's good, and by having more volume around that offensive line, he's gonna just have a better year. But if Pollard can somehow 
supplant him as a starter, then you, you get yourself into an RB1. I just I don't see that happening, but we could see more and more of a split occurring if Pollard continues to show out. Pollard is doing great things and he's doing this as a backup. He's becoming he's he's a flex type. He really is a flex type of running back. It's hard to say, oh, he's an RB2 because you can't bank on the usage. But given how much they utilize him when in, Pollard is very intriguing as a flex week in and week out. So at least if at the very least you have a back. Like I have him on one of my benches as, a, like as, as an insurance policy. I don't even have Zeke in that league, but he's a guy that I feel comfortable plugging in on a pinch or in a bye week. And that's what I'm looking at Pollard as. That's why Zeke has me so concerned already. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um yeah, they're just they're paying Zeke way too much to not play him. That's so, part I mean, of it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, one guy I'm concerned about, obviously, as a 49er fan, seeing this up close, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk. Finally had a catch. Uh, finally had a Brandon Ayuk sighting, one catch for six yards this last week. But man, has that been just depressing? Uh, <laughs> you know, between Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon. Um and I mean, we've kind of seen this before, right? We've seen this before from Shanahan. Uh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk. We'd l- I'd like to believe that it's going to start ticking up. The usage is going to start ticking up. And I mean, the snaps did. We'll see if the usage comes with it. But I mean, you know, after how fantastic he looked year one, you're just you're not hearing the best from Brandon Ayuk in, in regards to him. Uh, you know, out of camp and in practices and stuff. Uh, you know, might be a situation where, you know, big year one young player, you know, thinks he has everything figured out. And then, you know, year two, the guys that are behind him are just working harder. That's basically the sentiment that we're getting uh, from the Niners camp that, you know, he's got to pick it up in order to get that usage. You know, he, he did get more snaps than Trent Sherfield this week, but yeah, I mean, what can you do with him at this point? He was, you know, a fifth round receiver, fourth, fifth round receiver. I mean, you can't, you're not dropping. I can't drop, bring myself to drop Brandon Ayuk just yet, but I mean, another week of this and then, you know, <laughs> I have to start thinking about it because, um, yeah, not I mean, right a now. Path for it either. That's the thing. This offense doesn't seem like it can support to, because the, how much, how heavily utilized and involved the running backs are, regardless of who's running the ball, because they're all yeah. broken one way or another right now, they're all broken shoulder ankle head like you take the injuries of all the running backs and you get a full torso out of it like full body out of all the if you include all the injured parts of, the, of these running backs yeah and trey sermon gets one carry and he, i mean he gone. he did look good and the, the, that was the thing too leading up to this week it was like oh trey sermon's playing with some more aggressiveness in practice you know like he has a you know his, his benching week one kind of lit a fire but he gets that one carry and then goes out with a concussion unfortunately but um yeah, I mean, so it's looking as far as that situation goes that, I mean, Elijah Mitchell is going to be the man. He's going to be the RB1 there because really they got nobody else right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. One of the guys uh, that I'm concerned about, I mean, uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis there, you know, with it's looking like Corderell Patterson is kind of, you know, he's got the two red zone carries. He got the touchdown. He's getting just as much passing work. Um, as Davis, I think they both had seven targets this week or seven catches. So, yeah, I mean, you're seeing Patterson really eat into Davis's work there. The Coming into the year, it was like, okay, like we're drafting Mike Davis because they got they have nobody else. He's going to be the guy. But obviously, you know, through this at, at this point, it's that's not been the case. Yeah. And I got to see if there's anything because I saw him limp off the field. But a guy I'm slightly I'd say my concern on him is like a three out of ten, maybe a four. 
but because we've seen the targets there, but not the production, DK Metcalf. And I was a little scared of him this draft season because I think we all forget how much they love Tyler Lockett there. And by they, I mean Russ. Russ and Tyler Lockett have a connection. They have for a couple of years now. And I think of Baldwin when I think of uh, Lockett in terms of like the type of receiver he could be. And we're seeing the early dividends. Like, yeah, right now, like I said, they are literally going uh, target for target in their first two games. And almost reception versus reception. Lockett has my two receptions now, but they have the same amount of targets. So the same amount of target share. But look at how different the results are. And Metcalf was bailed out by a late, you know, a late touchdown in week one to kind of salvage that week. But in week two, he, again, he's going to be a high floor guy. I, and my big thing for him was touchdown regression. Because if you look at Metcalf's stat lines from last year, he was very, like, he, he had big weeks, but take away some of those touchdowns. And now it's like, you know, like, okay, 11-point floor is not what you want out of your second-round guy. Um, I'm just a slightly concerned, like I said, three-ish right now for Metcalf. And, again, if he's not fully healthy, that could play into it. If he's not going to be being able to create that separation, Lockett can. Lockett will create separation. He can run all the routes. And we know when Russ is on the run and looking for a guy, Lockett's the one getting open and, and creating, you know, issues in the downfield. So I'm yeah. really – yeah, I don't see any. Like I said, I don't see anything from. I mean, DK I'm not too concerned there. I mean, they've matched each other week by week in targets. Um, of course, you know Lockett's been more efficient, and that's kind of been the story between Lockett and Wilson. I mean, those two are efficient as hell, man. Uh, so and, in and, weeks and that Wilson. they don't need to throw though, like in weeks where they get a you know early lead, they take does like whoever gets whoever gets their work in early, which I assume because if you see, I think Lockett's been getting his work in earlier. Metcalf's been getting it as the game goes on, and mm-hmm. I trust Lockett to actually. Um, I, I trust Lockett to actually produce earlier and more frequently, whereas DK might take a little time to kind of you know, the weight for defenses, the tire and stuff, because DK is a physical, ridiculously physical specimen, yeah. has some, you know, can go deep, has the speed, the size. But I think Lockett can, is that elusive separator that can just cause, like, that's just more favorable for a quarterback, especially someone who who tends to make time happen in the pocket like a Wilson, who can make things happen and be a playmaker. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not terribly concerned with Metcalf. What I think my concern is, is that we drafted the wrong receiver first. I think they could be very similar and comparable, but I think Lockett could very well outscore Metcalf. And honestly, I would rank Lockett, even if it's only a spot or two, I would still take, right now I prefer Lockett to Metcalf as we sit here, which again, that speaks volumes. We're two weeks in, these guys were about a round and a half difference in ADP, and I'm willing to say either A, Lockett was either Metcalf was a reach, or Lockett was a value, and I think they can meet in the middle and both be third round guys. But right now, I bet you Lockett would go in the late second where Metcalf was, and Metcalf would fall to the third if we were redrafting. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if we were redrafting right now, I mean, just that the recency bias. But I think both of these guys, I mean, you know, you said, did we draft the wrong guy first? I think both of these guys are going to have you thinking that at different points throughout the season. I, I wouldn't probably really right. be too worried. And Lockett doesn't yeah. stay healthy either lately. You know, he has his, he gets his, uh, his issues with like hamstrings and stuff like that too. There is that with him. I don't know. Like I said, it's like concern. Maybe it's again, slight bias because again, I was kind of afraid to take that leap on Metcalf this, this year. Same with Jefferson though. I was afraid of that whole second, late second round receiver. Like they all concerned me because I really liked Keenan Allen. I really liked, like, I really like those vets, like, right around there where I felt like there was, like, a more well-known, safer floor. And then, like, Amari Cooper. Like, I really liked getting those guys in the third versus 
taking the Jeffersons and the Metcalfs in the second, not because they weren't worthy, but because I like more secure picks and less of like the what if or like the boomer bust picks. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's more of like a kind of like a bias. Like I'm, I'm just afraid though. Maybe I shouldn't be, but in football, like Keenan Allen's doing great right now in PPR leagues. Um, you have Lockett doing good. Cooper had a rough week too, but Cooper kind of is hit or miss. I know he's dealing with the rib injuries now or something like that. He was dealing with the ribs or something from, from a hit or whatnot. I remember they, I remember hearing about that. Um, I think he'll be okay though. But regardless, um, I, like I said, I, I think that's what scared me about those second round receivers was I really just didn't like, I don't know. I was just kind of off all of them. I wanted to wait and see. But anyway. I don't know. Like I said, it's probably unfounded reasoning. I'm just kind of concerned right now. Um, just because of how good luck it's looking, recency bias is definitely playing a part. Do you have anybody else you're concerned about right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we well, might have a few, drafted, but <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, maybe, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a big one right now. Was he drafted too high? I mean, you're looking at the first two weeks so far. Uh, efficiency just hasn't been there. 3.1 yards per carry week one, 3.5 yards per carry week two. No targets this last week. I mean, if he's not going to be utilized in the passing game and the explosiveness isn't there, and I do believe he was dealing with kind of a, a little uh, ankle problem, right, in uh, preseason. So, I mean, maybe that has something to do with, with the uh, with the low yards per carry total right now. But, yeah, I'm a little concerned there about uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Something that's encouraging but not necessarily going to give us the – because, again, a player can play often, but they're not getting utilized – that's a whole other discussion. CEH in terms of playing. Yes, last week we saw the dip happen in these stats, but overall in the year through two weeks, CEH has pretty much twice as much, has lined up for twice as many pass plays as any other running back on the team. 50 to 22 for Williams to give you an idea for CEH. And on those pass plays, the number of pass plays they've actually run routes, CEH has 43 to Williams 18. Again, it trended uh, CH trended down when he was trended up in week two. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a some more to come for that. But my point is, is right now CEH two and a half more times he's run passing up run routes on passing plays and two times as many passing plays he's been in on in terms of lining up, lined up for as a passer. So I'm just like, it's there. The potential's there, but he's not being utilized in the passing game at all. You mentioned that ankle injury. Maybe it's lingering. Maybe it's causing issues with his explosiveness. Maybe his confidence is waning. Or maybe he's just not as good as we were hoping for. And I think the, the alarm bell should be ringing. But what are you doing? You're not dropping him. Are you willing to sell for 75 cents on the dollar right now? If somebody came to you with James White and something or Tyson Williams and something, would you be willing to take it for CEH? Probably not. No. I'm just trying to think, like, what are you honestly giving away CEH for? Those a problem. Because I think people are going to be holding on to that idea of what CEH could be. And maybe not looking at the fact of what he really is. Um, right. I'm I'm really trying to get a good idea, of like a name here. Like I wouldn't even get, like right now. I'd rather have Daryl Henderson over Ceh. I'd rather have Miles Gaskin. See, I'd rather have Ceh. Gaskin hasn't looked great. I really liked Gaskin coming into the year, and he's just yeah, not getting utilized the way he's supposed to be or should be, in my opinion. That's why I I say James White and Tyson Williams, and it sounds like it's oh fine, not James White. How about um Damian Harris? That's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's tough. I think I'd rather have Damien Harris because at least he's getting utilized. I mean, I don't know. I I, I think I would <laughs> still stick with Ceh just because because of what you dr- put in draft capital. Because, <laughs> well, because of the because of New England, 
<laughs> yeah, but at least yeah, I I tr- I totally get it. But we're talking two straight weeks now: sixteen carries, twenty-three carries, hundred yards, sixty-two yards, a touchdown this week. Even had a couple catches the first week, a catch last week. Damian Harris feels like a bigger part of their his offense than Ch will probably ever be for this offense. I don't want like I wouldn't. I don't know if if I was the Ceh manager, I don't think I could accept that trade to be honest. But ranking them going forward until Ch proves it, I think I'm going to be ranking Harris ahead of Ceh most weeks. Just because I mean, what are you going to do? Rank Ceh based on what his production last year? No, it wasn't really there. His production yeah. to this point this year hasn't been there. At what point do you say hey, he's not getting the red zone looks? It's not like CH is getting those red zone looks. Williams came in last week and scored the touchdown. So where's the where are you plugging CEH? In? I'd rather play James White this week. I'd rather play Tyson Williams this week. I mean, yeah, it's gonna a be good tough. Point. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm getting at. Like it's tough to it's tough if you're the manager to accept it. But I think I don't know. I think again, I, I don't have any CEH. And I was actually a CEH believer coming into the year. I don't want to say, hey, he's toast, he's done. But I think if I can get usable pieces for him right now i might just do it and hedge my bets and like because if, if he has another bad week those usable pieces become less usable because you're not gonna get as good of offers you're not gonna get james white in a week if james white has another six reception game in a ppr league or tyson williams comes out and tyson williams remember if he scores a touchdown we're having a whole different if he doesn't fumble that that at the goal line where they you know they, it was a weird crazy fumble where he reached for it the ball came out and you know the, the Ravens players uh, recovered it, scored. If Tyson Williams scores that touchdown, we're having a whole nother discussion about Tyson Williams' value this week. So that's why it's um it's an interesting debate because uh, and a topic to discuss because I don't have Ceh and Twitter's very torn on him. But I think I'd be willing to unload him if somebody came to me with one of those two parts plus something. Because I think one of those two parts are a very usable RB two that I have more confidence in right now than ceh which is crazy i didn't think i'd say that but and because again I'm a, i was a ceh guy coming into the year but i've seen enough to be like i don't want to start him if i can avoid it right now i think i i mean i hate to say this but i think i would sit him if i could like do you want to start tony pollard or ceh this week i'm serious oh man <laughs> i mean yeah you're probably starting tony pollard yeah and that's blowing my mind to even say that dude it really does i, I never thought i'd be sitting here saying hey i'm gonna start tony pollard with ceh willingly <laughs> But this is where I'm at right now, right now because I got to CCH do it. I, I, I'm, it's almost like seeing a pitcher. I hate to bring baseball into football, but it's almost like seeing a pitcher coming off a couple of bad starts or coming off the IL. You got to see them do it before you plug them back in your lineup. And this is one of those situations where I got to see CEH, the usage and involvement, be utilized appropriately for me to feel comfortable plugging him into my lineup. Yeah, I'm just hoping that we get one more week away from, you know, the – ankle ankle issues that he had in the preseason and we see a little bit more efficiency but no i mean if we don't see it this week then you're probably right i mean these guys like damian Harris is a good example of someone that you're probably ranking ahead of him which again blows my <laughs> mind all right so i want to talk about breakouts real quick a couple guys you don't have to give super in-depth reasoning except for one guy i will give in-depth reasoning and i can't get enough of mike williams i just can't through two weeks mike williams leads the chargers in targets receptions receiving touchdowns and red zone targets he's second on the team in eight in a dot which is the average depth of target and second on the team in snap rate the usage is there the production is there i'm 100 bought in and if you want to take a step further the red zone the red zone usage is there he has four targets in the end zone that's tied with the rest of the team has four combined so there's eight total red zone or end zone targets, and Matt, Mike Williams has two, or sorry, has four. 
He has 50% of those end zone targets. So the usage is there up and down the field. He is a bona fide breakout this year. I'm all in on Mike Williams. I like it, man. I like it. I had Mike Williams written down as one of mine as well. I mean, you're just seeing it right now. It, we're seeing the Mike Williams that we've been hoping that we'd be getting, right, over the last few years. Um, it, yeah. It's happening. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm buying in there too. Um, my early breakout that I'm buying in, I mean, Debo Samuel. Sounds like some 49ers, bias, some 49ers oh, yeah. bias there. It's a little 49ers bias. I'm not going to lie. But, I, I mean, I think – I mean, it's legit though. I mean, he leads the NFL – in reception yards right now with 282, 157 yards after the catch tied for first with Rondell Moore. I mean, this last week, he had an A dot of 5.9 yards and still had 93 yards receiving. I mean, he's get, he's basically splitting the slot work between him and George Kittle. We're seeing, you know, and especially as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback, he's one of those guys that quick, quick first read, low A dot, Debo Samuel, but I mean, Debo is just a special player with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he's someone that is going to make a move and, you know, take it another 10, 20 yards. So I, I'm buying it, man. Debo, the breakout is here. I'm just praying Debo stay healthy, please. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm buying in on, on Debo. I love what I'm seeing. I think we're seeing the ascension of Kyler Murray, man. Like <laughs> the, I, I, the offense getting, getting comfortable. He's healthy this year. He's spreading the ball out. He's playing with such confidence. He's just crushing it right now. And I think Kyler Murray can finish as wide rec- the, the wide receiver. Yeah, I don't think he's that good. I think but Kyler Murray can finish <laughs> as the quarterback one, and nobody should be surprised. He's having his full-on breakout, I think. I'm, I'm keeping this one simple because the dude has just been electric. He's been able to hit every pass he throws, it feels like. Every time he touches the ball, you feel like he's going to go down and score. Not many quarterbacks have that about them where they just have that it factor. Murray does. I'm all about Murray. And I think like if you're buying into somebody possibly being the QB one on the year, and if I don't know, again, I don't really like training for quarterbacks, but if somehow you're getting a good deal on Murray, I'd buy high type of thing. But I still like Mike Williams better because I think people are still sleeping. on. I feel like no one's respecting Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams legitimately can still be bought at a fair price, but Kyler Murray, you're not going to get for a fair price. And I think he is worth every bit of that draft pick you got him at. And again, we'll be fighting Mahomes and Lamar Jackson for that number one spot this year. I think he's entering that tier though, how we had the Mahomes and Lamar Jackson tier almost every year. It feels like the last couple of years, Murray's mm-hmm. going to enter that. He's now entered that conversation, in my opinion, in terms of which one you prefer is the one you're going to take. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's him, uh, Lamar, uh, Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen. They're all right there. See, and, I'm putting Josh Allen behind them at this point. Josh Allen struggled too much over these last first few weeks. Not that he can't do it or doesn't have the rushing floor and all that, but yeah. I still don't look at Josh Allen in the same light. And drafting Josh Allen over Murray is one of those things that we look back at and think, why was that happening? Is what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah, no, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the table set here for Murray to possibly finish there as a QB one. I mean, the weapons he has, I mean, you got Christian Kirk and Elmore, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, even AJ Green, even AJ Green, <laughs> even AJ Green, <laughs> Chase Edmonds, you know, very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Kyler Murray ha- has it all. I mean, that high powered offense. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, another guy, uh, I, you know, we didn't really do anything week one, but week two, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, eight targets. I mean, uh, 11 targets, eight catches, 106 yards. We saw week one, you know, Carson Wentz just check it down all day. Uh, you know, Pascal was his man in the red zone, but 
yeah, uh, Michael Pittman, obviously that wasn't going to keep working. So, uh, you know, Pittman with the A dot over 12 yards. Yeah, eight catches, 160. I think I think that, uh, you know, he's going to go forward at, at this point as the wide receiver one there with the Colts. And, you know, if he was cut after week one or if you were able to buy low after week one, uh, I, I think you got a pretty good one here with Michael Pittman. Yeah, Pittman's a guy that's interesting. Again, it's all about what happened with what happens with Wentz moving forward. I think in this particular situation, if if we should buy or sell Pittman rest of the season, it's all about if Wentz can keep himself upright. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm torn between a couple guys. I'm, I'm looking at DJ Moore, and as boring as it sounds, I think he's just. I think he's going to be such a good player this year. But I, I don't know if breakout's the right term for him. I just think that he's going to be. I mean, he's be, been a good player. Though. That's what I'm saying, like, yeah. I think he's yeah. going to be a little better, a little more consistent maybe. For the problem owners. with Moore has been the touchdowns. That's That's been the issue with DJ. Yeah. Uh, that's so why I, really I was looking at I, I got one. I got I got the poor man's Moore here. I think we need to believe what we're seeing here. And that's our guy, Sterling Shepard. He's oh, been a 100%. PPR monster. He's been every bit of what DJ Moore is without the DJ Moore price tag. And Sterling Shepard's a guy through two weeks, 19 targets. We're looking at what? Uh, 16 receptions. He's the go-to guy for Danny Dimes. He's that team's always going to have these game scripts that include that make them throw. So even in games where Shepard Slayton, I'm looking at the wrong guy, Shepard, right team, wrong player. Shepard's the guy that I think will be a fallback option will be the, the, that little blanket for him, like, oh, look at me. I need to get all comfy and cozy. I need to cuddle. Shepard's my guy. And if you need to do a long handoff, so to speak, you know, a short play over the middle, Shepard's your guy. If you need, if, if you're garbage time trying to get down the field, Shepard's going to be the guy over the middle. Um, Shepard's always, it's just health with him. But I do think Shepard's that PPR guy. He could be every bit of what Jarvis Landry has been in the past for PPR in terms of just being that security blanket for, for a receiver. I think Shepard can be that and has the making of it. And we're seeing that now. And it goes back to the end of last year. He was doing the same thing. So Shepard's kind of picked up where he's left off. And there's no reason to think he won't continue to be this guy again, given how this team is going to need to throw a lot on top of everything else. So Sterling Shepard's a guy I'm really bought in on. I'm sad I don't have any, but I can go buy and probably get him still for a decent price. Yeah, I like that call for sure. Big fan of Sterling. Yeah, that's my last one. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much going to do it for me. (laughs) All right, cool. So we did good. I think that's everything. Uh, we covered a little bit. Of, oh, Thursday night preview. Um, I guess we can real quick talk about that. Um, Houston. Who you start on Houston? Real quick, like just Brandon Cooks, right? That's all we want to see. It's that's it. That's it, man. Just Brandon Cooks. I mean, e- even with Davis Mills there, I mean, man, we'll we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean, just given that Cooks has been, you know, the whole receiving game there. Um, you're still going to start him, but he's about the only one there. Yeah, I mean, Ingram, if you're really in a pinch, but I don't think they're going to use him as much or need to. They they just, I'd rather not if I can avoid Ingram. Um, and in terms of the Panthers, the defense, obviously, would you start, would you stream Sam Darnold this week? Oh, yeah, he, he was actually listed as my number two uh, waiver wire pickup for quarterback. Um, there we go. Just good. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely someone that you could pick up and stream. I, mean, I think he was rostered in even fewer leagues than um, Daniel Jones. I think he was only rostered in fifteen percent of leagues. Yeah, yeah I, I like Sam Darnold this week. You're pretty much starting everyone there with Carolina that that is rostered. You know, and even Robbie Anderson. I, I was mean, gonna, I was going to ask about Robbie Anderson because he hasn't really. Like, remember, week one he had the one long catch for a touchdown, otherwise yeah. non-existent. Week two, three catches, 
but only 38 yards. Like, are you like, are you starting Robbie Anderson with any confidence? I mean, I know it's Houston, but I mean, it could be just the DJ Moore and McCaffrey show again. It could be, yeah. But I, I think just given the matchup this week, uh, flex I think option still rolling them out there. Yeah, flex option. Yeah. Wide receiver three, flex, flex option, option. Maybe wide receiver three. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can get behind that. I'm just, I'm scared, but I think, I think we see because again, he also. Robbie Anderson, although he only had 38 yards on three reception, he had 97 air yards, which led the team in week two. So the big playability. So if you're really going for that boom bust play, Robbie Anderson has the matchup, and I could see them breaking out one of those big plays early, take a nice lead. Hopefully, I have DJ Moore, so I'm hoping DJ Moore is the guy who gets the nice big play. But Robbie Anderson's more likely to get that big play. He has that big play upside. All right, yeah. that's gonna do it. Uh, George, episode one's in the books. Thank you for joining me as always. For sure, man. I'm excited to, you know, get this started and do this every week with you. Hopefully every week. The idea is every week, but we've done the every week thing that doesn't work out. But yeah, yeah. This was episode one of what? Another fantasy football podcast. <laughs> Nobody asked or sorry, no That's one right. asked for. <laughs> I can't even get the name out because it's so sarcastic, but so true because there's so many podcasts out there. But we thank you for listening to ours. Again, you can follow George on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino, myself at Mike underscore Curlin. Don't forget to check out our Discord. Join our community at skplaybook.com. Again, you can find the Join Our Community tab. It'll give you all the information on how to join and what's included, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you again for listening to the first of many of this podcast. And for those who are interested in our fantasy baseball podcast, Bases Loaded podcast, again, we will jump back onto that sooner than later, we promise. But until then, we thank you for your time and we hope you have a wonderful week three.